0: Welcome to the Good Money Habits Podcast, where we marry financial literacy with tips from the experts on how to develop good money habits. Knowing what your options are when it comes to your finances is one thing, how to change your habits and translate the knowledge into action and results is quite another. If this is a new focus for you, we suggest you start with the Foundation Series episodes. Throughout this podcast series, we will meet and interview experts from across the finance field where they will share their insights and tips for success. We are all about helping people gain financial stability to live a better life. This podcast is brought to you by Lighthouse Capital. It is important to understand that today's episode is of a general nature and doesn't take into account your personal objectives, financial situation or needs, and may not be appropriate for you.
1: Hi everyone, and welcome back. I'm really excited about today's podcast and can't believe that we're already at episode six in the Foundation series. So today we're talking kids and money. And one of the reasons I'm so excited is because we're really privileged to be joined today by Kendall Flutie, all the way from New Zealand. Kendall is the CEO of an exciting financial education program called Banker that inspires students to be curious, creative and confident with money. Kendall, welcome to Good Money Habits. How are you going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, So finding ways for kids to build their confidence and skills with money is something that I've been really wanting to see more of in our schools and our community generally. So Mm. when I heard about Banker, I just couldn't wait to hear more. So can we kick off and get you to share with the listeners what Banker's all about and how it works? Absolutely. So um, I co-founded Banker about five
2: years ago off the back of a conversation with my much younger brother. He was learning about money in school really effectively with a, a passionate teacher. sort of opened my eyes to the fact that unless you have one of those role models in your life, um, your, your financial education, your financial trajectory, it's, it's somewhat up to luck. Uh, so I actually teamed up with his teacher and we built an online platform to mimic the real world, the economy. Students get to sign into their classroom account. They can then engage with their teacher. Uh, they may get paid to come to school. Uh, they may get paid for good classroom behaviour. Um, and then they have to pay their bills like renting their school desk or paying for their Wi-Fi every week. And it just builds on financial concepts from there. So everything you and I do as adults, students get to do from within the bank platform uh, and, and practice and, and form those behaviours that we need once we hit the real world.
1: That's fantastic and I love the idea of you turning the classroom into a virtual economy. How important mm-hmm. is that hands-on element?
2: Yeah, it's really important because when we talk about financial literacy, we're really only referring to at least semantically, the first layer of uh, financial well-being pyramid, the knowledge. So learning um, you know the rules of how to inter- interact with money, how to actually calculate interest. That sort of stuff's really important but so too is our financial behavior, and we call that financial capability. And that's where psychology comes to it, and that's where most of us fall over. We may know what we're supposed to do from a financial literacy perspective, but actually practicing it and making decisions that point us towards enhanced financial well-being, that part is the hard part, and so forming those behaviors young and and repeating them over time will hold you in really good stead in the future.
1: I feel like I'm speaking to a kindred spirit here, actually, Kendall, because <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. And that's actually the whole premise behind good money habits. So um, certainly I'm singing from the same uh, song sheet there. Now, I understand cool. that, you know, the take up across New Zealand and now increasingly in Australia has been incredible. And I was just delighted when I started talking about this last week with my team. And one of my team members' sons is actually using it in his school here in WA. Oh and um, she was absolutely blown away by how enthusiastic he is about it. I mean, there's some pretty adult concepts Mm -hmm. that you're bringing into play here. How on earth are you getting kids Mm -hmm. enthusiastic about areas that you perhaps wouldn't naturally think they would be?
2: Yeah, it all goes back to that conversation with my brother, and and I was blown away as well. Firstly, um, I was an accountant at the time, so you think if, Anyone was going to engage in conversations about money with their family member. I'd probably be an accountant, but I wasn't because I had the assumption that this 12-year-old boy couldn't comprehend these complicated adult concepts. But I was wrong. They're actually quite simple, especially when you articulate them in a way that's consumable for everyone. And, and actually, I personally believe the financial industry should be doing that, regardless of the age of the audience. So once you sort of respect, oh, sorry, once you re- sort of respect students and you say, hey, you're you're capable of having this conversation. I kind of just need to change how I talk to you. Um, It opens up a really exciting landscape, um, and and they sort of rise to that occasion. We see it across New Zealand, across Australia. Students get really into this because they've been afforded a little bit of responsibility um, that they don't
1: necessarily get in, in other areas of their life. So it sounds like it's one of those cases where we need to be really careful not to underestimate what our kids are capable of.
2: Yep. You're, you're exactly right. They're capable of so much more than we think. And, and our students prove that to me every single day. They're, they're always asking for the next thing and, and they're exploring on their own terms as well. So it, it's more on us than it is on the kids.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I wouldn't mind diving a little bit deeper with you on why financial literacy is so important for our kids. Um, I have to admit, over mm-hmm. the weekend, I listened to a YouTube um, where you were talking about a really fascinating fact. Um, about the formation of financial habits. And it was a pretty scary um, uh, fact, if you like, where you explain that these habits are mostly formed before the age of seven. That seems so incredibly Mm. young. Can you tell me a bit more about that? It does seem young, doesn't it? And I think that's daunting for a lot of us when
2: we reflect on our stage and our age. And um, we think about all those behaviors we have formed between between now and seven as well, which becomes quite intimidating intimidating especially if, if you're trying to correct your course so to speak so, so that um, that piece of research came out of an OECD report around um, financial education for youth and the roles that schools play and that speaks to again that psychological behavioural aspect that we're starting to form behaviours across our whole life and some of those translate into money as well so we're starting to understand what risks are and, and how willing we are to take those We're starting to comprehend the concept of delayed gratification and whether we value something more today than we do something greater tomorrow. All of that stuff is going to happen in our life regardless. But if we don't have that financial lens and understand the consequence that that psychology that's shaping up in us as a seven-year-old is going to affect us financially, then we can really miss out in terms of being intentional about that journey.
1: That's absolutely fascinating and I have to say as a parent, just a tiny bit daunting. Um, so I guess we probably yeah. need to be mindful of what our kids are learning through osmosis at home. Um, and do you think that we should therefore be talking uh, more to our kids about money, being more open about these conversations? Such
2: a tricky one, isn't it? And, um,
1: yeah, we do have to be
2: mindful, just your, your later comments about osmosis, um, but we don't need to stress too much at the same time. We need to be able to live our lives. Um, In terms of engaging our kids in these conversations, tricky. Um, There's cultural stuff at play. There's our own confidence, financial confidence at play. Um, Some people may not be in a great financial situation, so actually revealing uh, that to their children is extremely daunting. So it's going to be unique to everyone, but I sort of encourage, firstly, parents to sort of commit to your own financial reality and be comfortable with wherever that is, you know, wherever you plant that stake in the ground, that's absolutely okay. And then starting to absolutely include our kids in conversations in an age-appropriate way. I think if you've got bucket loads of debt and um, there is real um, financial distress in your family, that's not necessarily something your kid has the, um, the capability to comprehend overall and we don't want to put pressure on them. But yeah, if we can open up our conversations, if we can create opportunities for them to take charge of a little bit of our family finances or their their personal finances, those are all really great things that we can do as parents.
1: Yeah, there's some really great practical tips there. Thanks for sharing that. So so given that these habits are mostly formed before kids would even start using Banker, how much do you think you Mm. can influence and change the trajectory for these kids if they haven't had that positive early role modelling?
2: oh, they're still super malleable. So although we're starting to form behaviours, they're not entrenched by any means. Um, a 50-year-old can change their financial behaviours if, if they choose to. It's going to take a little bit more effort than if we capture someone at, at eight years old or 10, um, just because that repetitive, habitual uh, behaviour forming that's going to take place over those years. But not still super malleable. The biggest thing is the repetitive nature of behaviours and, and making sure they point towards your financial well-being and, and that beacon is a little bit different for all of us because that speaks to our values um, what our aspirations are and a bunch of other things but uh, my big takeaway to anyone I talk to about personal finances is it's never too late um, there just has to be a level of commitment um, on that journey and, and you can always always enhance your, your financial well-being if you, if you want to.
1: yeah I couldn't agree with you more on that one might change tack just a little bit and if you don't mind me asking, you know, a question that I'm quite curious about given talking about uh, learning about money at an early age, can I ask who taught you about money? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I had a few financial role models
2: and I was on a call yesterday with um, actually sort of a financial mentor of mine who is in the States. Uh, he's a financial educator himself. And he was talking about the concept of reverse, reverse mentors. I hadn't heard it before. So I've kind of been aware that I've had some really great financial role models, either mentors or reverse mentors. Um, my mum was a really strong financial um, beacon for me. We grew up a uh, single parent home initially. Um, I knew even as a four-year-old and five-year-old and six-year-old at times were tough. Um, she was working a lot and she was having to make decisions um, and always trade offs And at the time, I probably didn't demonstrate that with gratitude, <laughs> probably the opposite. Uh, but in reflection, it definitely formed some of my financial behaviours and my willingness to really delay gratification and um, think about what's important. My granddad also played a really heavy role. He, unlike me and my brother, he didn't assume I was too young to have a conversation. Uh, Uh, You know, As an eight-year-old, I was talking to him about shares, and and that's pretty special. Um, Not everyone is exposed to that sort of education in a consumable way, and I'm very grateful to him to that. And likewise, I won't name names, but I've certainly got um, family members and friends who I guess play that reverse mentor role. They've kind of made some decisions that have meant they've either suffered financially or just haven't achieved the financial goals that they had aspired to. And we can take something away from that as well, not in a malicious way, but just that that we don't necessarily wanna wanna follow that exact same course as them.
1: I like that idea of the reverse mentor and I can relate to mm-hmm. Um, your journey in many respects as well and I feel extremely fortunate that I too um, had some really strong mentors at a young age and was encouraged to buy shares in my early teens and I suspect on reflection it's probably led to where I am today and why I'm also passionate about this space. Um, Something that's on my mind, um, I guess, for this generation is the influence of social media, which seems to be an ever-increasing part of our kids' lives, and I I get a sense that there's this heightened element of pressure in relation to managing money, especially for teens. Do you have any thoughts on that? Mm. I do. I was talking about this exact same thing yesterday. Um, I'm really fortunate. I grew
2: up um, when Facebook Facebook existed, but it certainly wasn't the... um, monolith it is today and we didn't have all those other uh, social media platforms available that seem to just beam into kids um, wherever they are and at any stage and I can't really personally emphasize or, or comprehend that sort of pressure. Um, one of the things that comes to mind is the saying that um, comparison is the thief of joy and that holds true I think but without that perspective to know that hey it, it only matters like, what I want and what I value is. Really, the only thing that matters in terms of my financial um, well-being is difficult. So for me, in overcoming that, and I've got um, you know, young people in my life, what I'm trying to pass on is the fact that it, it, it's really only about our journey. And, and finding value and finding um, worth in stuff um, probably isn't going to be a journey that's going to be fruitful for us or others. And one thing I've learned about recently for for young kids is is their reference group and getting them to sense-check who they're spending all their time with and whether they're actually additive to their general well-being but also their financial well-being. Are they cheerleading each other to save for that big thing or are they forcing them to go out and spend at the movies every week or whatever it may be? So just being mindful of those we expose ourselves to in close personal circles but also who's on our social feed because really we've got choice over that. Uh, once we, you know, follow someone, um, we're, we're going to get that information coming through to us. So creating some barriers and not even following them in the first place is, is one step we can take charge of. But look, there's no real answer here. It, it's, a, it's a real concern of mine for the next generation as they try and discover who they are and try to reach their financial aspirations.
1: Yeah, beautifully said, Kendall. And I, I like the way you said comparison is the thief of joy, no, and I think that most people would agree that preparing our kids to be financially savvy as young as possible is really a critical life skill. And I'd argue especially so at the moment. You know, as coronavirus has emerged, Australia and other countries, including New Zealand, of course, are building national debt burdens of historic proportions. That just, that's absolutely necessary as we navigate our way through this. But the concern is naturally, what does that mean for the younger generation who are going to inherit this? That's
2: right. They're going to be uh, have big debt on their hands, They're also many of them are looking at um, potential you know, em- employment landscapes that are duller than they have been for you know, 30 years or so at least here nationally. Um, so it's quite daunting to be a young person, I think, that compounded with some of the other stuff that they seem to be championing, like um, climate rights or whatever it may be. Um, so I think you're right. Investing in financial education now, um, we're... <laughs> Um, economic resources money is is harder to come by um, is the best thing we can do so that's why I'm certainly um, more buoyed than ever to be doing what we're doing and educating as many young people as we can because if we can develop their knowledge about the financial system and their capabilities then at the very least we're putting them in the best position not to be financially misled or deceived um, but actually above that to contribute to to um, restarting thriving communities um, nationally and globally.
1: Yeah, I absolutely love the idea and I'm excited about the concept of how we can have a positive impact and start to move that needle in terms of helping our you know, economy recover um, through this period, mm. which is pretty scary. Um, so for any teachers or parents or grandparents who are listening who might want to find out more about Banker and how they can connect their schools to your program, what's the best way for them to go about doing that?
2: Yeah, the best way is for them to jump on our website, www.banker.com.au and it's Banker, spelled B-A-N-Q-E-R, and... Um, and it's really worth knowing that um, the software's been built, you know, in part by a teacher, um, my co-founder, my brother's teacher, who was inspiration behind all of this. So it's really user-friendly um, and also is financially really sound. It's available at no cost, thanks to our champion partners, NetWealth, um, and we're really accessible as well and passionate about this, so I can support teachers on their journey. Likewise, we do have some parents using it at home with their kids. But it is built um, as a mock economy, a virtual economy. So having at least a few kids on there to stimulate the economy um, does enhance the experience.
1: In my mind, this is a no-brainer, quite frankly, Kendall. and you've just mentioned (laughs) that it's free um, for um, Australian primary school students thanks to Networth, which is pretty amazing. Um, Being a former primary school teacher, that's many moons ago, I must admit, um, I guess one of the (laughs) questions that people might have is how does this fit into the Australian school curriculum, which is pretty jam-packed already? It is. Um, naturally, financial literacy
2: aligns quite well with numeracy, so we've built in a ton of resources that tie into, for example, if you want to te- teach percentages, doing it with our platform provides a really practical way of doing it. But it um, interest rates or, or whatever, um, and, and there are, are actually aspects of the Australian curriculum that do specifically speak to financial literacy as well, so we've pulled them out and, and um, packaged them up into really fun and engaging resources and activities for for
1: the teaching kids too. It sounds like you've just made it really simple and you've thought of all angles. So um, that's just brilliant. And if, if I may say, you know, the impact that Banker can and is having is nothing short of incredible. You know, giving our kids the chance okay. to build good money habits from a young age is just vital as they transition into their young yeah. adult lives. And I just have enormous respect for you and your team and all you're doing in this space. So thank you so much for that. Um, for that. And thank you for your time today. I really, really appreciate it.
2: Thank you. It's been fun chatting and, and likewise um, I, I really
1: admire what you're doing with this podcast and the philosophy that sits behind it. Um, so all the best. Thanks,
0: Kendall. I really appreciate that. That was another episode of Good Money Habits brought to you by Lighthouse Capital. A reminder that this episode was general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal objectives, financial situation or needs and therefore may not be appropriate for you. It is recommended that you seek professional advice before making any significant financial decisions. If you want to find out more, this podcast series is available on Apple Podcasts or head to www.lighthousecapital.com.au.